1: Okay, um, you know what? I want to start off this episode by promoting our Patreon, which is something I feel like sometimes I don't do enough. Don't uh, assert myself and try to promote our little show here. Uh, But the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, last week when I was in Vegas or whatever, a few days ago, and we talked, I feel like we got we got we made some really good points. And
0: I think so as well.
1: I think it's a good episode. I think we really fleshed out some of the complexities of uh, what's going on in the discourse right now, and I really think if people like are our fans and they're on the fence, go check that shit out. I think you'll enjoy it. And the reason I say that is because this is the whole this is the only story. Like we're gonna just be talking about Israel and Palestine for a minute, right? And you know, there is a cycle to podcasting, and I feel like. I really got out some of what I wanted to say and it would be redundant to do it again on the weekend episode and I'm looking at our set list here and I'm like you know what this one's going to be a little bit goofier there's some real dumb shit happening it's going to be funny <laughs> but I, I, I don't know I don't want to repeat myself but there's just stuff that we were talking about that's been rolling around in my head like uh, about the like politicized mourning and stuff like that that I think it was good so that's it that's my plug listen to this week's episode for the smart stuff and prepare yourself for the dumb stuff hello everyone it's Poddamn america i'm jake that's anders
0: anders lee here there's lee here i think it's um, our first uh bi-coastal fully bi-coastal episode right
1: yeah the project is uh it's it's in full effect man we're, we're like the entire country now. We're, I'm yelling at you over 50 states, dude. Well, <laughs> well, 50-ish. I guess Hawaii's behind me, and oh, some of them are in other directions. True. But pretty cool, though.
0: The lower uh, 48, unleashed, yeah.
1: I rolled into L.A. finally after my little Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas adventure. And uh, it was cool, man. I listened to a bunch of desert rock, like Queens of Stone Age and Death from Above, nineteen seventy nine type shit, just at full volume while like driving through the desert while the sun was setting. I was like, yeah, Los Angeles, (laughs) it's fucking fun. And then when I rolled into town, I was trying to do this thing. I very, I think I had a a couple of moments that really like taught me something about the place I'm moving to. So I was listening to all the like Los Angeles songs I could think of, like a fucking cornball, you know. Like I listened to Los Angeles by X. And then I, uh, I listened to "I Love LA," and I, I I told Siri on my phone to to play "I Love LA," and she played the other "I Love LA," which is by a band called Starcrawler. That's a good song, but the nerve of some modern rock band to write a song called "I Love LA" when the one by Randy Newman already exists. Let me Ooh. tell you, I'm irate. That's like writing a song <laughs> called "New York, New York," right? Yeah. <laughs> Folks, yeah, you can't do it. So it's I was try-
0: good. I was just kind of sad. The first song that pops into my head is "Don't Move Back to LA" by uh, Ockerville River, but uh, it's a good song. But you don't have to take the <laughs>
1: suggestion. Well, I I don't think that suggestion is for me because I'm not moving back here. I'm just moving here.
0: True, that's right. You can only yeah, just don't move back. Because if you move there, it has to be one and done. Never move anywhere else.
1: The song uh, by Magnetic Fields where he goes, I'll never moving back to New York has been rolling around in my head, making me pretty sad, mm-hmm. but I, I really like it here. So, um, so I had this bit I wanted to do to myself because, uh, you know, you go crazy when you're driving around in a car that much and you make yourself laugh. You have to do bits at yourself. It's real fucked up. How so you become a podcaster, or a comedian? But I, I was like, oh man, you know who's fucking cool? I, who's a cool L.A. vibe? You know, G and R man, Guns and Roses. So I was trying to time it to where "Welcome to the Jungle" would play as I was rolling into the place I was staying. Nice, but the thing is, I got stuck in traffic. Uh w- Classic L.A. Is- problem, right? I was like, oh, of course there's like hella traffic here and the song played out and then it kicked over to something that I had been listening to, which was appropriate to the part of the country I was in back then, which was when I was in the Gulf coast, for some reason I listened to this song about 20 times in a row while I was losing my mind. Cheeseburger in paradise by the late Jimmy <laughs> Buffett. <laughs> nice. So I rolled up to, to this house just blasting I like mine with lettuce and tomato which is unfortunately a banger I, I hate to uh, inform you Zoomer kids that probably listen to our fucking show I don't even know what that is somebody my parents listen to
0: Jimmy Buffett has made somewhat of a comeback among Zoomers from what I gather but. is he like a TikTok resurrection type thing <laughs> I hope cool. so yeah. you know,
1: I'm going to start TikToking and I'm going to do Jimmy Buffett like shit <laughs> 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 did um under the bridge come on the playlist oh no that's a good one <laughs> i should have done that <laughs> i should have done that and like the goo goo dolls and shit uh what's but goo you goo know what's the one uh the city i live in the city of angels that's goo goo dolls wait am i wrong I Is that, that was else? red
0: hot chili peppers
1: wait what the fuck am i thinking of I th- i'm thinking of something else Well, you know what? I've got all the time in the world to figure that shit out now. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I'm living in Grand Theft Auto out here. It's fucking cool. Whoa. There's cholos everywhere. It's badass. The part of me is feeling more alive just by being around down-ass motherfuckers and foos and shit. People are speaking Spanish to me when I buy stuff. It's real fun. I'm working on my shitty Spanish that sucks because of history. I had a conversation right. with my dad about that when I was in Texas, about how they, did, they beat the Spanish out of him.
0: Did that not happen in New York that you wouldn't uh, be spoken to? I mean, I guess it's the bodegas here are. I feel like half, if that, uh, Latin, and then half like Middle Eastern.
1: Sometimes, right. but I feel like it's happening way more out here, and it's it's you know I you know what it literally might be. I just saw my reflection in the laptop <laughs> screen, and it's I'm wearing. A shirt that says Elote on it, so that might be oh, it. Oh, it's, nice! It's the it, the corn, like the band right. that that font, but it says Elote, which is corn in Spanish. Aha! And it's also a delicious treat that you can get out here on every fucking corner. It's a, uh, it's like street corn. It's fucking. You bad do ass. it on
0: the cob, off the cob. El,
1: uh, Elote is on the cob, and it like comes with like uh like butter and seasoning and shit on it. Right, and, like her- Oh, shit. I've had it. But if you get it off the cob, it's esquites.
0: Oh, so it's a different thing, okay? Because I worked at a place that would would do a lote off the cob, but that's, I guess, a misnomer.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I it's my understanding that it's esquites off, off the cob, but like this might be one of those things where like it's both, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Call you know what, listeners, call in the show and comment on this <laughs> hard hitting controversy if you uh. If you know the answer to this, you, well, know, you know the number.
0: Call in. Yeah, you see the re- the reason I called it a misnomer is actually from a comment from one of our listeners who pointed out that misnomer is often used as a misnomer. It's only supposed to be for incorrect words and not concepts that is wild as hell and that strikes me as something that only our <laughs> listeners
1: who are very special people would understand
0: i get so <laughs> mad and then i'm like oh you know what that is good to know fine <laughs> yeah
1: right yeah totally I, this exact same experience <laughs> anytime somebody tells me anything if they're correcting you you're like fuck you ah oh, yeah <laughs> um so uh I had a pretty wild party last night and part of it involved, um, I don't explain this putting on vampire teeth and not the kind that, uh, that like, not the, the dollar store coin machine kind. That's just a whole denture, the serious ass theater kind where you have to make an epoxy and seal it to your like canines. Hmm. Um, it's cool, but it's it's a difficult process because you have to, like, heat up some water and then use this little stick to take a bead of the wax and then fucking hit, hit it up in the... Th- so, you fucking sit there over and over again trying to do it, and you, like, try to keep your tooth dry when you're doing it. And anyway, long story short, I can only get one fucking fang on. So, I was oh, walking wow. around... <laughs> <laughs> with one fang, and i like looked at myself in the mirror and I actually kind of i kind of love it
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's almost scarier because people look at you and they think they might for a second think that's your actual huge tooth because it's like it grown grew in weird or something versus you can immediately tell when somebody's wearing fake fangs <laughs> well it kind of looks like a
1: snaggle tooth and it also kind yeah. of just looks like uh I what i was doing was hillbilly vampire <laughs>
0: you know ah. was missing a,
1: fang, so it was like a <laughs> hi y'all <laughs> you know uh because it just looked goofy it looked like cletus from the simpsons or something uh, and all but also half like vampire i was thinking about being half mexican i was like oh this is cool this is like hybrid shit we should half guys should have one fang that'll be our <laughs> that'll be my my gang thing or whatever uh speaking of fangs Oh, no, Ooh, Anders, you dropped right at my brilliant segue. Okay, fuck, man, the the call dropped and it stepped on my brilliant segue with that I was teeing up to try to impress the master of segues himself, Anders Lee, which was, speaking of fangs, are you there? Yep, <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. I I thought it dropped again because I didn't hear rock (laughs) laughter and applause. (laughs) No, I heard it the last time. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Speaking of, well, actually, speaking of Fang in the singular, is that how you pronounce Lee Fong's name or is it Fang or Fong? (laughs) I've I've heard Fong. I've heard Fong before too and I mostly just read this fucker so I don't actually know. And also I think Fang is... A badass last name, so I just want to believe it's that. Um, it is
0: cooler. If he's not doing Fang, he should be doing Fang.
1: Yeah. Doesn't even have to change it for Halloween.
0: Um <clears throat> so
1: the reason I bring him up is because I want to make fun of something he said. I he's insane. I can't believe I used to be mufos with this motherfucker. Uh <laughs> he said, he tweeted that the general narcissism of the American far left can be very annoying and counterproductive. No, racial minorities in America in 2023 are not oppressed in any way, shape, or form similar to stateless Palestinians in Gaza or the West Bank. The comparisons are insane. Brianna Joy Gray uh, from Bad Faith, as we all know, got his ass by quote tweeting this with a clip from... An article, the headline, U.S. police are being trained by Israel and communities of color are paying the price. In recent years, Georgia has experienced troubling trends and fatal police shootings. As this has unfolded, the state continues to pursue a police exchange program with the state of Israel. So, clearly, (laughs) this it's a fair comparison to make. And I want to put my uh, fucking foot down about something that drives me insane on twitter here uh it's the uh the rhetorical argument of are you seriously comparing these two things you hear it all the time right and uh it's stupid because what you're outraged about is the idea that someone would equate two things comparing two things is like normal they don't have to be exactly the same. They just right. have to have something in common in order to be compared.
0: It's the nature of a comparison that you are looking at two things that are different.
1: I feel like it's almost the nature of like all human thought. Right. <laughs> <It's> crazy <laughs> to not be able to fucking figure that out. Uh, But yeah, no. And it's also just like an insane thing to say in a country where like, black Americans live and like everything that's been happening, it happens. Are you out of your fucking mind? Have you not seen like statistics about prison and like forced labor and shit, police violence, you know, like to call that narcissistic is dumb as fuck. So I just wanted to dunk on that guy.
0: Well, yeah, I remember 2014. That was the uh, summer. That summer was operation protective edge. Uh, and there's a, some demonstrations here in uh, the United States against that, and then quickly following that was the uh, murder of Michael Brown, and which kind of launched more or less uh, Black Lives Matter as a movement. And at the time, there was a lot of uh, solidarity um, and you know communication between Palestinians and Black Americans. Mark Lamont Hill uh, cites that as the reason he got involved in. Palestinian solidarity, because th- those two things were happening at once that summer. And for, for somebody to be like, well, they're not actually, it, and it's bizarre for Lee, whatever, to make that point, because he's <laughs> always trying to like neg, I quote unquote, identitarians about identity politics. But th- is this not the same thing he gets annoyed at other people for doing? It's just kind of just pure contrarianism. It feels like, yeah,
1: uh, And I think he compares things all the time when they serve his, you know, weird point of view.
0: Right. Even historians, it's I've noticed this, any historian, maybe not any, but many historians, whatever subject they study, they will get livid when you try to make any historical comparison to another point in time, like the present, which is some would argue the point of history. Uh, But it's just if, (laughs) if you get like in a specialized thing you're like you need to be like the only person who knows about this and it needs to like stay in this little area and we can just look at it without you know drawing any relevance to other things from it well that
1: that is fucking that immediately conjuring another motherfucker i want to talk about (laughs) on twitter which is uh dan carlin the hardcore history guy embodies what you're saying so well because like you have these history nerds self-professed history nerds in this fucking world, in the modern world, who uh, th- the difference here? I think is historical materialism. Like I, t- I know it's like you, you just uh, what do you call it, a broken record when you're into this sort of shit. But like it, it, it's what makes history scientific. And like the, that's how that's how you arrive at conclusions where you compare patterns throughout history. That seems like it would be obvious, but this dude who fucking fancies himself, this, like, really, you know, learned history guy, is, uh, he's been making, like, points about Palestine that evoke, like, f- like, fascist rhetoric. Like, he, he almost accidentally said the 14 words, but he was saying it as, like, a liberal or whatever. Um, <laughs> he was, like, talking about how Israel, uh, you know, like, is their birth rates are being threatened and shit like that. Right. Um, and like I don't know. The thing about history people like this that are liberals is to me I I think it's like um something kind of weird that I think about when I'm trying to explain this sometimes comes from South Park and the writers of South Park. And uh, they're they're not even like their politics are all over the place. But as writers, they're very good writers. They are good at putting a story together because they there's their one neat trick or whatever that they they did like a video about years ago is a story should be a because therefore thing, not a then then thing. and I think liberal historians like Dan Carlin are then then people, like he's just telling this massive epic tale as if it's just a bunch of random shit that happened that isn't fundamentally like connected <laughs> in any causal way, you know, right. <laughs> I don't know. yeah
0: and it is just a purely racist point to be concerned about birth rates like anywhere like we're talking about literal babies like that i just don't know how you can if like as you said that's a 14 words point if you say it about the united states but if you say it about israel for some reason like that's acceptable and like a genuine <laughs> concern
1: yeah i wish i had his tweet on hand maybe i'll look it up but um you just reminded me of that with what you were saying. I don't know. Um and then fucking who else? Sarah Sarah Silverman. <laughs> this is a funny story. She uh she was high. She, she was high when she did this. She put this meme on Instagram that I guess she just found somewhere that says some wild shit about um how that like it's justifiable to shut off the gas and water to to, um to palestinians and interestingly here i'll read it psa there is a very strange thing happening many are saying that it's inhumane that israel is cutting off water slash electricity to gaza israel made it pretty simple release the hostages and we will turn it back on Instead of pleading with Hamas to release civilian hostages, which include babies and toddlers that are politicians, cough, 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 AOC, calling Israel inhumane. (laughs) Oh, there are politicians, cough, 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 AOC, calling Israel inhumane. If that isn't enough for you, Israel does not need to supply Gaza with these resources, which they do for free.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Oh, they should be thankful that they will supply them for free. If Hamas well, – that's-, that's like telling someone in a prison, like, I give you the air condi- – there's no air conditioner. I give you the water for free from the toilet or whatever.
0: Right. And they love to cite, like, the amount of, you know, uh, supply they send to, to Gaza. But what they don't mention is that it is way, way below the need. So they never mention that. Still say, like, we sent, you know, 15 tons of rebar to the Gaza Strip. But they don't mention that they actually need, like, 50 tons Yeah, no, they're purposely keeping them in, like,
1: terrible shape. (laughs) Uh, If Hamas didn't spend billions of dollars on terrorism, they would be able to build the infrastructure to support themselves. So she's doing, like, kind of like an avocado toast-type argument. (laughs) Um, Uh. But anyway, (laughs) so she got quote-tweeted and dunked on i'm sorry folks the twitter report is almost done i just you know i love that goddamn website <laughs> uh <laughs> she got dunked on by our our brooklyn comedy's own Marsha Belsky, who uh shout out yeah shout out i'm a fan i think she's cool she unfollowed me recently but it's I, I think i was uh, she's probably right like i was a i was a bad edgelord but uh, you know, ten years ago when I moved to New York, and I, uh, I think I think I remember saying something that pissed her off, and I think I, I was probably wrong about it. So, if you hear this, Marsha, that I'm wrong, please be friends with me again. But it's you know what, totally fucking cool. I'm gonna
0: go ahead. out on a limb and say I agree with Marsha about whatever the thing was. <laughs> I, it, I,
1: I think it might have been we were both wrong. I think I was I was an edge lord, and she was a lib, and then we were both just being dumbasses because that was the paradigm of politics at the time. Um. She she
0: has a uh, song she did for Comedy Central, which is which if people don't know this part, that then the Sarah Silverman response tweet seems insane. But she has a song she did for Comedy Central about how NASA gave female astronaut Sally Ride uh, 100 tampons for the mission. Um, Just assuming that a woman would need. uh, They didn't know how many to give her. (laughs) Yeah. And so in Sarah Silverman's response, uh, she's like, you do have the tweet? Okay, I got it. She said, oh,
1: fuck yeah, I took that down. I put it in stories from someone, realized it was a mistake to post in the stoned fury of wondering where the hostages are in all this madness. NASA gave Sally Ride 100 tampons. (laughs) 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 So this is like hundreds of thousands of people are reading this, not knowing <laughs> what that sentence means. But that's, <laughs> that's like, if I was responding to you and I was like, Oh, totally, man. Listen, I didn't mean to take your sandwich out of the cooler. Yo, I have a girlfriend. Like <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, give you an all uh, olive branch here by, by doing
0: your own like catchphrase back at you <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, just, made it seem like is she still stoned is she more stoned and it made her more rational the more weed she had in her brain like <laughs> even as yeah. is even even knowing what she's going for it still is kind of just weird that she would throw that in but hey queen of uh queen of alt comedy i guess yeah i mean she
1: has had like um incoherent politics for ever um i remember god there's a number of things that she's done over the years that i like when i was younger and kind of dumber like i was oh kind of into i thought it was really a good point some of them are really bad points um she i'll rattle off a few she made a joke that pissed off the chinese government one time and uh they i there was like a talk show appearance where someone from the ccp came over here and was like uh because she does, like, edgelord shit. So she was doing, like, a like a joke that played on racism. And I can't remember, you know, this far back, whether I think it was hack or whether I think it was hilarious. Like, th- it could be either one. Those jokes really go either way, depending on fucking context and everything. But the uh, this is where I think she was probably in the right, is that the CCP guy was saying... You, what you should do is in this country have comedians register their material with the government which is like what they did in the Soviet Union which is what gave us Yakov smeared off and uh it, you know this is like from a free speech perspective like a thing where you go yeah no that's bad right um she raised a bunch of money one time by doing a benefit during the Obama Romney uh camp uh presidential campaign what you, contest election or Look, yes that's the word i was looking for <laughs> <laughs> uh when it came out that mitt romney i think he he or like someone in his party or someone in his, cam- his campaign or something i think it was him his family owned a ranch in texas called n-word head ranch <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh and so she made a big spectacle out of it and did a benefit and raised money and i remember thinking yeah that's, that's funny that's you took the the controversy and made it cool. Right. On the other hand, I have seen her share as, and this is consistent with dumb comedian who thinks they know about free speech politics. She's shared a lot of those articles about how free speech is dead on college campuses because someone was triggered or whatever Hmm. articles that like, if you read dark money, you know, are like directly funded by the Koch brothers and shit um why just all over the place you know
0: for the record Uh, it was uh rick perry oh fuck
1: okay you're right different election i think
0: well same election but it was uh in the primaries i I should have known that i have a rick perry
1: t-shirt where he's uh, inside of an upside down cross (laughs) and i'm wearing it on the cover of the 6 album
0: in that ranch while that photo was taken,
1: <laughs> that's why he looks so evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, God. And then I guess the la- the the next here's I here's how we'll, how we'll do this segment. The next bozo of the week, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is I guess a good place to start off what we're talking about today, which is John Fetterman.
0: Uh, until well, could we sit, sa- could we save him actually for? Uh, sure. Like go through the list. I do have another bozo I want to tackle, and that's what, who's uh, the next bozo
1: of the week, Anders, Sean King. Oh yeah, <laughs> is that his real name? Who knows? Who knows? Know.
0: He's had some, he's had some bangers uh, lately. One was, and and I credit this to him. Uh, it was technically posted by his wife, um, but it definitely seemed like something he like put her up to. Maybe he operates her account. I don't know. But he was just like staring at the out the window. She posts a photo of that on Instagram and says, "I snapped this picture of Sean King yesterday. He was about to write his first post about the Palestinian Israeli conflict. Uh, <laughs> post, not not article, not essay, not book, uh, but a post. Which it's it's silly, even if you're writing an article to be like I'm reflecting on what I'm gonna." put into print but this is literally a a instagram or twitter thing he's going to send out um sitting on the couch in his office gathering his words research and videos (laughs) suddenly got up and went to the window he was overwhelmed by it all and just needed a moment to breathe and reflect oh man it's so funny he looks like
1: uh, there's a meme he looks like a certain spongebob meme or something that i can't quite conjure but like just the vibe of trying to look that thoughtful is so fucking funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> who the fuck who the fuck is Sean I remember like years ago when I was like first uh kind of getting really radicalized by like the the Ferguson stuff and Mike Brown and all that shit I remember thinking like you know I'd read something he'd write and I think oh, this is kind of a- okay this is like an interesting like person and then over the years it's just
0: become so clear that he's like a weird scam artist yeah we might have to do an episode about his entire thing because, yeah, it's it's impressive uh, that Sean King
1: to- follows me. Sean King, come on the show and talk oh. to us and
0: Fio, Chino and Paolo. <laughs> Man, that would be the dream team. But uh, he tweeted, I think this is today, um, or no, this is on Instagram. He has a photo of one of the hostages, Natalie Renan. He says Hamas has just freed the teenager, Natalie Renan and her mother. I'm grateful. As I said last week, Natalie and her family have been supporters of mine and protested police violence in America alongside us. Also thankful for the Qatari (laughs) government for helping to negotiate this. Dozens of us worked frantically behind the scenes to help make this possible. I spoke to Natalie's family this afternoon, and they are anxiously awaiting more updates. Cut to the family is contacted... About this, and they said they had no idea who... They still have no idea who Sean King is. What the fuck? Their (laughs) first exposure to Sean King is in this post about (laughs) her daughter being saved by Sean King. Also, like, with that original thing where he's,
1: like, looking thoughtfully out the window preparing to post. So the narrative of this whole story is that, like, he... Learned what Israel and Palestine are three days ago, thoughtfully looked out a window and then posted so hard that he like resolved the
0: conflict. Well, I think he was looking out the window and because he was really trying to think of how to not compromise the security of the, this operation he was involved in. Right. Because he has to carefully word these posts so as not to compromise you know, the safety of these hostages, which is, was clearly put in his hands. <laughs>
1: yeah no he's uh he's, he's he's like a fucking special agent or something he's the only one that can pull it off um okay hold on bozo of the week let's go back to one dan carlin i found the post here's what he said palestinian leadership has once again made a decision that will in no way improve the lives of their people there is no positive outcome for them here parentheses except to personally bolster their chances to stay in power they have hurt their cause slash causes and increased the suffering in gaza that's like one of the insane things he said uh he was really his big thing is um uh th- that oh by doing this they have dug their own grave sort of thing like you should have done non-violent protest <laughs> like it was just insane because there's so many fucking problems with what he just said that like historical context would explain what he's getting wrong how does he not know like how you're a fucking history guy how do you not know like how this came about to begin with fucking bananas yeah (sighs) bozo of the week uh (laughs) should we we do cornell west
0: oh yeah that is a good one too um (laughs) independent presidential candidate brother cornell west And we're really learning how expansive the term brother is. You know, a lot of people throw around my brother in Christ, which in theory, I guess that must mean everyone, Um, not even Christians, maybe, you know, because we're all blessed. Uh, And he uh, apparently one of his brothers is Harlan Crow, the billionaire right wing donor who gave money to uh, uh, Clarence Thomas. And uh, apparently gave the max donation to Cornell West. I think there's an obvious you know reason behind this, you know it, it at least appears like that's too much like you know, Republicans would donate to Nader in like 2004 uh, you know, to potentially divide uh, Biden's vote share. Um, but Cornell West r- at first refused to take to, uh, to give back the money and now is, um, he gave it back and it's funny how quickly he can just change his mind on things. Like he's flip-flopped on so many, he's, he's <laughs> only been running for president for like three months and this time, and you know, he announced pretty early for a third party candidate. Usually it's not until like the February of the election year. Um, but he got, he, he had this tweet where he was like, he, eventually concluded by saying, as a jazz man, I decided to give it back. (laughs) What does that mean? He was like, I am friends with this guy. We're chill. We hang out. He's misunderstood. Yes, he has Hitler statues, but he also has Stalin statues to just remind himself of totalitarianism. Um, But he's a good man and an anti-Trump Republican. And you don't get that. And I'm not going to apologize for it. But I will give the money back because I'm a jazz man.
1: He's saying that realpolitik is kind of like tickling the old ivories, you know? I guess so. I guess that's <laughs> <what> the point. <laughs> he's I, he's, like, he's saying he's, he's like improvisational or something. That's what that meant, right? As yeah. a jazz man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's how he's justifying this entire campaign, which is now an independent campaign. Um, it started out moving for People's Party, which is not a party yet. Went to the Greens. Now he's independent, um, I guess, because he realized he's going to have to get through the green party presidential primary, which wouldn't involve like, you know, hobnobbing with state green parties, um, which, you know, not the most fun, but he, he wants, and he says he wants to go out to the people. And, but that kind of defeats the whole purpose of what I was hearing, like a couple months ago, this whole campaign was supposed to be about, which was building some kind of lasting party or structure. If he's an independent what is this what's the point what what happens after the election like what develops out of this right. it's hard to see um but yeah i don't know that's well, it, it
1: he's do, he's a jazz man though that's why he's doing it like this i guess he's so. just playing off a, of are everyone else's <laughs> i don't know man that's crazy um, he does that shit a lot though. He always makes me laugh when he's on like Bill Maher cuz he'll be on like David Duke or something and he'll be like, "Our liberal brothers and sisters, ah, conservative brothers and sisters, ah, neo-fascist brothers and sisters." And it's like, "Don't <laughs> don't say that part. <laughs> 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 oh, goddamn. Cornell West, you're the bozo of the week. Um, <laughs> open invitation wait, to come on the show. <laughs> for real. <laughs> he was on like he was on like Katie Halper and Jamie Peck doing something a while back, and uh, friends of ours totally like believe in what these people do. But no offense to anyone in our circle, I just remember seeing that and being like, "This guy doesn't have a chance. <laughs> you shouldn't be that easy for us to get."
0: Yeah, that was the moment that uh, we saw the clothes chair at Bernie's house on Super Tuesday. That for me clinched it as like this isn't going to happen. Just no <laughs> nobody with a the, who who has a chair where they put all their clothes on it is going to be elected president. <laughs> yeah, but we that's should, Yeah, that's I mean that's that's sad because it's like
1: a clothes chair means you're a human. You know, yeah, you're not like a fucking elite or whatever. Um. I mean, I guess Does hanging out with us. Uh, yes. Sorry. One more bozo. <laughs> uh, I like this new segment. Call into the show if you hate this segment and tell us. You know <laughs> the number. Um. So this person is not the bozo, but Gre- Greta Thunberg, uh, uh. in a ba- based fashion, not choogy, Uh, Greta Thunberg, you know, d- put a post out. She thought very hard and looked out a window and then made a post. Uh, in solidarity with Palestine, very cool. Love to see it, Greta, and and I swear to God, I'm telling all these stories because there are pieces of these stories that will relate to the very serious discussion coming next. There is like interesting inconsistencies with how were what standards were able to hold. You know, Palestinians versus Israelis. Uh this is one of them. She tweeted this. The picture and in the background she had this thing that extremely online people may be more aware of than others just sitting next to her you know for like just just for as a cute bit in this selfie there's this plush octopus it's a very specific type of plush octopus you push it and it like reverses itself and becomes another little different colored octopus and then you just sit there and do that back and forth uh she was accused as, of anti-Semitism because the octopus, specifically the kraken, is oft depicted in uh, like World War II era, <laughs> like 20th century anti-Semitic political cartoons as like the evils of, you know, uh, Jewish financial business secrets or whatever the
0: fuck. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, so it's, it's also used for the Soviet Union. It's octopus. also used for capitalism.
1: Right. <laughs> but the, anyone who's online enough knows that it's that particular octopus plushie that she's using is a, a stimming thing. And she's autistic. And that's probably why she like has it around and it's part of her little brand, right?
0: Well, e- yeah. I mean, maybe she uses it for stimming. I don't uh, fault her for using that uh, or anybody for using that nice little plush. Uh, object, uh, however, what I've seen is that the original purpose is for like nonverbal people uh, as a way of indicating, you know, because as you said, you can move it so it's smiley or frowny um, because they can't oh. communicate. So that's um, it's it's supposed to be like a mood thing, so you can know how like a nonverbal person is doing. And this, to me, this might be a spicy take again. She can. Anyone can. I don't have any any issue with people using that for whatever purpose. But it is weird to me that someone like Greta or myself are lumped in with somebody who can't verbally communicate or speak. And that to me is a a pretty good example of why autism is just not a coherent category because there's just so many different you know aspects of quote unquote autism and they don't necessarily overlap all of them. So. I, I do think it was kind of cowardly of her. She did like apologize and take down the the tweet. I think I don't know. I'm sure she hasn't but, renounced her support for Gaza, but still, that, that like you can't give them you can't give them that. That's just such a blatantly absurd uh, accusation. It, well, but
1: yeah, like but she apologized, like at saying, "Oh, I didn't realize I was accidentally doing something anti-Semitic." Right she didn't yeah, apologize yeah, because of what you're talking about okay. no i i know yeah uh man this fucking lo- god that sucks like this is a situation where like uh the don't apologize logic i think fucking applies like that's stupid Um, uh, don't give them that because and here's why i want to bring this up because they wouldn't apologize right bozo of the week Volodymyr zelensky tweeted Moments after this uh, controversy went down pretty publicly on Twitter, he just decided to show us one of his new cool troops, militias. Uh, <laughs> he somehow has so many of these very small militias with their singular, interesting imagery, a la Game of Thrones bands or whatever. This one is called Kraken kraken a special uh, unit of ukraine's defense intelligence Espe- exceptionally strong warriors especially challenging tasks outstanding results they have fought near karkov Solodar, Bakhmut, kupa K- can't pronounce that in in the north i thank them for all the service hashtag chevrons of heroes uh <laughs> their fucking logo is a goddamn octopus <laughs> so why is no one accusing them of anti-Semitism given that they are probably actually Nazis or at least fighting alongside of them and are like literally named Kraken, which is the thing that we are accusing Greta Thunberg of using anti-Semitically here, right? Why so inconsistent?
0: Yeah, it's a classic thing. It's, you know, and they, some of them have Come out and said supporters of Israel have come out and said that that is more important supporting the state of Israel than actually being an anti semite Uh, because obviously the Christian right in the U S has quite a few anti semites who are also extremely pro Israel because they have like an OCD biblical belief that Jews have to be in this area uh, for when the rapture happens or whatever Um, that you know they they'll make allies with anybody as long as they're pro Israel they don't. And, you know, going back to the founding of Israel, there's some really weird stuff with that as well that maybe we'll get into sometime. But... um,
1: um well, I, Do you have any more bozos?
0: I think that's... I think we're all bozoed out. I mean, we're about to tackle some bozos, uh, not just of this week, but in general. Um, I wanted to talk today... Bo- bozos
1: of the weeks when decades
0: happened. There you go. <laughs> um, some peps what's another Uh, what else can we call them there's uh there's uh, a term progressive except palestine uh pozo that's not good um pepe le
1: it's almost similar to pepe the frog
0: there you go we could yeah you could make it into a pepe thing and then associate them with with trump which i'm sure they wouldn't like
1: it's confusing but um well PEP, for anyone not familiar, stands for progressive except for Palestine, which is a pattern you often see in the uh, Western liberal and left world. Should we
0: talk about the big bozo? Uh, We'll get to him. I kind of wanted to run down who I view as the the biggest peps uh, in the history of pepdom, uh, which is a phenomenon that. Fingers crossed seems to be dying out. There's still some left for sure. Uh, but now you have, and I, you know, you kind of have to grade it on a curve for elected officials. But you're increasingly seeing more and more progressives who are mealy mouthed on Palestine, which is somewhat of an improvement, you know, because back in the day, uh, you had people like Anthony Weiner, uh, Jerry Nadler. Who were just uh, continue to be unapologetically supportive of whatever Israel does. Um, And, you know, I think especially like 20 years ago was really when, if you look at, I was just re watching the uh, Finkelstein Dershowitz debate. And Dershowitz says at the beginning that he writes this book, The Case for Israel, to make the progressive liberal case for Israel. So he's specifically trying to appeal. To people on the left, broadly construed, uh, which I think has kind of changed at this point, they're not really trying that hard to to convince, like you know, l- liberals. Really, they don't really need to convince people like Biden or Hochul or whatever. But for like con- you know, the mainstream, like the uh, the the median Democratic voter, Israel, I think has kind of given up on trying to. Uh, trying to win them over because they've just unapologetically given money through APAC to conservative Republicans in many cases. Um, I think they have genuinely alienated American liberalism, um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't s- still some of these peps lying around. Uh, Two that I mentioned, Jerry Nadler, who is still in Congress from New York City. He's somebody who uh, supports the Green New Deal, Uh, very was an early supporter of same-sex marriage. Also, even the support of the Iran deal. Uh, However, he is a staunch Israel supporter. Recently, he tweeted, uh, many have asked me, who is Jewish Voice for Peace? Their website says they are proud to be a part of the global Palestinian-led boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, uh, which by its founder's admission and tenets, seeks to end Israel as a Jewish and democratic state. He's calling out jvp he's distancing himself from this there was a another incident where he was questioned about uh palestinian children being detained which is an issue that comes a lot up a lot for peps and he said well you know children can be terrorists too basically um there was a an incident in 2001 in the un where they were trying to uh have a a uh conference on racism a united nations world conference on racism and a lot of arab countries were like well we should talk about zionism in this because israel treats arabs like second or third class citizens um and you know we forget that around the world israel is not as controversial or it's not as controversial anyway that they are a lunatic state at this point um and uh, Jerry Nadler applauds Colin Powell, who's the U.S. Secretary of State at the time, for uh, boycotting this and, and pulling out of this conference, um, which is just kind of a weird headline to have the United States pull out of the United Nations World Conference on Racism. Like that's not the best look if you're, uh, especially if you're just looking at the headline. But um, they. You know the reason for this <laughs> is because Israel got some scrutiny, and that's why uh, uh, Colin Powell pulled out. And then Nadler at the time says Kofi Annan has become one of the lead cheerleaders for the hate mongers that have hijacked this conference. Um, and they he's like he accuses the conference of turning into a damn Israel pep rally. I
1: love uh, pep is, rally,
0: yeah, that makes <laughs> makes it sound kind of fun, but. Um that'll be the name yeah. of the episode. Pep rally. There you go. Name of the pepisode, more like. The pepisode, um, folks. <laughs> there are a lot of peps, disproportionately, I would say, in New York, uh for reasons. Um <laughs> but I, I say that not necessarily that the staunchest defenders of Israel come from here uh specifically this intersection where people were very very progressive on other issues but not on Palestine um and that includes i think what the most prominent example to my mind is anthony weiner who i remember you know like 10 15 years ago uh he was to me kind of a cool guy like he would go on talk yes, shows his name was carlos danger i used to talk to him on the internet all the time it's <laughs> <is> fucking cool <laughs> well i was thinking about this too his last name wiener i really do th- think there's something to the boy named sue uh song the kind of the lesson of that song which like your name is your destiny in a way um, Sure. I th- with like dick butkus it's basically yeah like a living example of that song somebody who must have gotten ridiculed growing up and then just became a tough football player. But I think, yeah, there's some some kind of psychosis ingrained in Anthony Weiner for having the name Weiner. Uh, but he, um, I remember back in like the early 2010s, late aughts, he would was one of the most prominent defenders and promoters of Medicare for All. He would actually go on... MSNBC, CNN, Bill Maher, and talk about how the public option, even that isn't good enough. We need to get private insurers out of the equation. Uh, he would also do things. I mean, he was, in in retrospect, a lunatic and just like totally ego and image driven. Um, but he would, <laughs> I remember one time he tried to investigate Glenn Beck for his gold ads. Because he would like- <laughs> Advertised gold on Fox News because he was kind of you know like a like a softer kinder Alex Jones, um, but he has always been a staunch defender of Israel and it gets pretty bad. Like there's very little I don't think there's ever been a point where he's uh, criticized them. Um, one of the worst examples is uh, in the mid two thousands. He tries to get the Palestinian Authority uh, banished from the UN, as well as aid taken away from the West Bank. That would be a disaster for people who are already in a very desperate position. Uh, but he said at the time, the Palestinian delegation of the UN should pack their little Palestinian terrorist bags. So he's- Jesus, Yeah, conflating- the Palestinian authority with with terror and the PLO. And um, and this is, you know, in the mid 2000s when um, Islamophobia is a hot sentiment. Uh,
1: yeah, that's wild. I mean, you know, God, I watched that documentary about him and like there was this weird thing where he was like, he seemed kind of based, like he would just walk around New York and fucking, you know, high five the bodega guy. And everyone was like, hell yeah, it's Anthony Weiner. You know, he was really tapped into his yeah. constituency. That might have included a lot of
0: Zionists, you know, it did. I mean, it did. I also think, you know, maybe there is, you know, we tend to view politicians or rightly so as just being like nakedly cynical. But I think he might actually be a true believer. Some of these guys, Um, even though I mean, then again, he did. So he had a breakfast reception uh, a number of years ago thrown by Ron Tarossian, who's a right-wing publicist who uh is not on the same page as anthony weiner and other uh on other issues but did say i think we should kill a hundred arabs or i think uh for every jew we should kill a hundred arabs or a thousand arabs um
1: that's a really big that's like what that meme of master shake going i am 30 or 40 years
0: old Those yeah right um and then yeah in 2010 there was this thing, the flotilla, which was a an aid flotilla. You know, a, a number of boats came to uh, Gaza and were going to distribute aid and supplies that Israel wasn't letting get in. Uh, and I remember when this thing embarked, uh, it was just like all these old hippies who were, you know, just wanted to let kids eat chocolate in uh, gaza and have other you know necessary medical supplies and things and um yeah. it was like an international effort there were different countries it wasn't like on the part of any government it was like a total like nonprofit thing and uh they're you know making their way towards gaza and Some of the ships just malfunction, which it later comes out that Mossad likely tampered with them. And then they just get like raided and stun grenades are thrown and just like it's they treat them like, quote unquote, terrorists. And Anthony Weiner immediately blames it on Turkey, the Turkish government. (laughs) He, He says, we know that Israel had not only warned that this boat was in violation of an entirely lawful blockade, which is not true. It's not lawful. Uh, But it offered safe harbor to the boat in another place. And there's a known terrorist group, Hamas, that's put its hateful agenda over the well-being of its people. And, you know, too bad, too bad Hamas is there that because of that, we can't feed kids who are dying. Um, And he uh, on this issue around this time. Oh, yeah. And he says here, too, even if we are the only country on Earth that sees the facts here, the United States should stand up for Israel. So just overwhelming consensus in the ina- international community that Israel is doing some fucked up stuff at a minimum. Uh, yeah. And inst- look, he looks at that and says, well, they're all crazy. I mean, it reminds me of this old, there's an the old Norwegian joke, uh, these Oli and Lena jokes, which is like this supposed to be like an old Norwegian American couple in Minnesota. And uh, the joke is uh, Oli's coming home and Lena c- calls him and says uh be careful oli uh i i saw on the news that some nut is driving the wrong way down the highway and oli says one there's 3000 of them
1: <laughs> i've heard those oli jokes that's so funny that there's a norwegian thing that's like the same character in every joke or whatever yeah uh, but yeah, no, that's totally like the skewed distortion. I mean, I remember the Flotilla thing. It was a goddamn like it was a down home Cajun fanboat full of goods to help, people, right? You know, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> what how what could how could you possibly cast that as terrorism?
0: Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it, yeah. Um, and around this time, he debates Brian Baird, who was a congressman from Washington State, who was actually the uh congressman who represented rachel Corey, who was a young woman that was killed by an israeli bulldozer in the early 2000s and uh he tries to investigate that and is upset with the israeli government for god i remember that that was there's fucking
1: pictures of that man that shit is haunting
0: yeah, a U.S. citizen uh, is killed by Israeli government. They deny all involvement or they de- they deny fault because uh, they're bulldozing a Palestinian family's home and she's there to resist. She's a peace activist and she gets killed by an Israeli bulldozer. And then they come out with a report that's like, yeah, we didn't mean to. It was something fell on her head and it's not our fault. Whoops. Um, and so that kind of. Yeah, that kind of turns him against Israel. Uh, And so as he's leaving Congress, he goes a little more balls to the wall and goes on a trip to Gaza with Keith Ellison. They see some despicable stuff. Uh, There's also a report that's released by Richard Goldstone is a jurist, um, a supporter of Israel before this report. But he investigates Operation Cast Lead, which is late 2008, early 2009, when Gaza is just obliterated by Israeli bombing. Uh, and he writes a report and he does, you know, condemn both sides, but that doesn't matter because he criticizes Israel. His name is dragged through the mud. Uh, the United States like officially rebukes the report. And one of his biggest opponents in Congress is Anthony Weiner. So there's a debate on YouTube with these guys. And uh, it's just kind of absurd. The the uh, mental gymnastics, Anthony Weiner uh makes like he at one point says that the West Bank is not occupied territory. And they press him on it, and they're like, okay, so then what when these soldiers do these raids, is that not an occupation? If they're and he's saying, Well, those raids, they happen in Israel. And so the implication here, and he confirms this when he runs for mayor in 2013, the implication is that the West bank is just Israel. Like he doesn't recognize the Palestinian territories at all, or at least the West bank. He thinks it's just like Israel's land and they're letting these people stay here. And when they conduct a raid, it's, it's their sovereign territory.
1: Well, personally, I think Anthony Weiner, you're the bozo of that week.
0: <laughs> Indeed. And, and he went on to be, yeah, maybe it's uh, he, karma. Uh, is what happened to him later. Um, shortly after yeah. this, actually,
1: <laughs> uh, I'm Mufo's with the lady who did that to him.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 I could play a little phone tag and, uh, that's how small the world is. Yeah. You know, I could get her and Cornell West in the same room. <laughs> that would be interesting.
0: Um, yeah, who else we got? There's uh, Bill de Blasio, trying to run through these, uh, who, when he's elected, he comes to office in 2014, gives a speech to AIPAC saying that part of my job description is to be a defender of the state of Israel. Uh, he also attacks BDS, says they're not consistent with progressive values. Later, though, he kind of disavows APAC, and this is kind of what Uh, We were talking about earlier where um, they have stopped trying to placate American liberals at this point. They're just openly funding hard right Republicans. Uh, And historically, they have been a bipartisan um, outfit. However, like they're giving money to Republicans in like consequential races that are tilting the balance of uh, Congress and, you know, helping Trump. And that's more distasteful now for someone like Bill de Blasio. Um, but he is still and it's hard to tell if he's a true believer or not because he's someone who like understands, you know, well, I, yeah, I don't I don't actually don't believe anything he says because he's even on stuff like policing and real estate housing. He was never that serious about uh left wing stuff. He, w- he would gesture towards it rhetorically. But if you the devil's always in the details. Um, yeah. And he's now trying to go around to college campuses pitching the progressive case for Israel. So he's, I guess, looking for an ass to kiss. Um, And we have uh, Jan Schakowsky, who's a member of Congress from Chicago, uh, Skokie. And she has refused to co-sponsor the Palestinian Children and Families Act, which was uh, introduced um, by Benny McCullum who is the congresswoman from St. Paul shout out uh, who some have referred to a comrade Minnesota refers to her as a poop in that she is progressive only on Palestine. (laughs) It's kind of this weird situation where for some reason she's like, like not super great on other stuff, but um, Jan Schakowsky is, is a pep. She's a hardcore pep. She's, uh, during the Bush administration, was like one of the strongest critics of the Iraq war war on terror and um, is, you know, progressive on economic issues, but uh, refuses to co-sponsor this bill, which would prevent our tax dollars from detaining kids as well as other international law violations. Uh, and she was asked about this after Sheikh Jarrah. There's uh, activists who questioned her on this. and. Um, they, and the conversation ended up going to like, well, Palestinians, when their lands are invaded where their homes, their places they pray are invaded by Israeli soldiers and they're shot at, they do have a right to defend themselves in that situation. And, and she says, so you support Hamas? Yeah, Isn't
1: I know. It's how, when someone has that brain thing going on, that's, that's the answer you're going to get, right? Anytime you ask me these obvious questions.
0: Yeah, it's a classic, classic tactic. Um, and uh, yeah, now I guess we, sh- we can talk about the big guy, John Fettywop,
1: who. Pep Bozo. Yes. All, all he wanted was a Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, <laughs> Pepto Bismol. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with something and it's not really working, but uh, can't find a fetter man. You know what I'm saying? Can't find a fertile
0: man. That's what he'd say. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't uh, bother. I've seen a lot of people on like left Twitter who are like like kind of they seem surprised by this. And uh I'm confused as to why people didn't take note of the fact that he was a pep when he was running. Cause like he had like kind of a weird sock demi Bernie kind of crowd. Like he was we were he was an epic meme guy and stuff, and mm. like uh, you know, people were like, "He's our boy and shit," but his opponent sucked so hard that, like, yeah, it was cool. Like, I, you know, I like him and stuff, but he, uh, he's just a run of the mill fucking politician, you know. Who's that? Sometimes they're allowed to skew this way. He was pro, uh, a Zionist, and he was also like a uh, pro fracking. You know, these are these right. things that like you. can't The nature of the game causes these people to not really be able to get out of like they need the money in their pocket and stuff.
0: Well, I think he was more worried about um and this, of course, not to excuse him. It's uh, a terrible capitulation, especially at this point um to not call for at least a ceasefire. But uh in 2022, when he was running, I think he just watched all these people getting ethered by APAC and DFMI Democratic, uh, or DMFI, uh, Democratic Majority for Israel. Uh, Progressives were getting, they're just oodles and oodles of money were being pumped into these races to stop people who are, you know, not where we are necessarily on Palestine, but at least willing to say, hey, we're giving Israel billions of dollars a year. Maybe we should at least attach some strings. Uh, That's not acceptable. Those people got to go. Andy Levin Congressman in Michigan got primaried uh, for being somewhat critical of Israel. Um, and I think Fetterman just saw that happening around the country and was like, this is a close race. This is not uh, my fight. I'm going to pick my battle." And like most Americans, he probably just doesn't give a shit about uh, foreign policy. And so it wasn't a hard choice for him to make because he just has not had to think about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, but
1: I would, I guess, I guess the thing that strikes me as odd is that, uh, like, that makes total sense in terms of explaining someone's motivations while they're campaigning. Can't, it, there's probably a good answer to this, but I, as some plebeian who's not a politician and doesn't understand what goes on behind closed doors and smoky rooms and shit, I'm going like, Yo, can't we just like run on shit like that to get the votes, and then just fucking reverse it when you get in office? Like I don't understand; that's dishonest or whatever. But play dirty. Republicans do <laughs> shit like that, you know. Like, yeah, it's it's weird that he's so fucking into Israel right now. Right. And, like, the, what that strikes me as is perhaps he educated himself on the job, which would you know incent like you'd be getting nothing but bullshit left and right.
0: Right. No, that's because you're, that's you're. Well, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's a good point because the ceasefire resolution in the House is now uh, being co-sponsored by Maxwell Frost, who's a Zoomer, uh, first Zoomer congressman. And on the campaign trail, did exactly that. He was sort of pro-Palestinian for a while. Then he was like, eh, never mind. And then DMFI kind of backed off. He got elected. And now, at least I mean, he's not great, but at least he's signing on to the ceasefire resolution. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. We talked about Jamal Bowman and how he kind of like turned around. Like you're right. allowed to do that, but the forces that uh, at at play, like you know, incentivize you not to. And like, you know, I I think that you you probably touched on something important when you said that American politicians don't fucking think about international affairs. And like, so we read this piece uh, in Current Affairs about the Jean-Paul Sartre. Uh, I cannot pronounce his name with the French accent, so I'm going to call him Sartre. <laughs> like tartar sauce. Uh but you know th- there was this interesting um exp- uh, story about him meeting Edward Said. Is that the guy's name? Uh-huh. Uh no, it's, pronounced how-
0: said. it's pronounced Shed. <laughs> pronounced Edward
1: Said. I'm not going to That's not true and also <laughs> I'm not pronouncing anything correctly. I'm invoking <laughs> americanism here. Uh but Edward Said met him and then was sort of appalled uh that he just he was a pep, that he was you know this father of of existential post colonial philosophy that Arabs you know and would look look to for what was going on post Six Days War and all that shit when Israel was you know becoming that what it is in the modern day and. Uh, kind of wondering, how is there this contradiction? How are there all these, like, Western intellectuals who seem like they just fucking go uh, nonverbal, you know, and turn their little (laughs) octopus frowny when you ask them about (laughs) Palestine uh, and whether, you know, they're human beings and there's a fucking apartheid happening and whether they have rights and shit like that. And, I mean, part of it, I think, I guess when I was thinking about this and I was thinking about, like, Western, like, Thinkers and stuff, and well, specifically people in the US, I guess, is uh, I was just thinking about Lenin again and that thing of like you know, how it's just so fucking hard for Americans to understand what's happening outside of this country because they're in the imperial core, and like you're it's like looking through a distorted lens because all of the arguments you make as an American are like people tend to. Think of things as like a a bunch of states that are all just like growing in comparison to each other and like, oh, they'll catch up or whatever. They don't understand what fucking Lenin talked about uh, in state and revolution, which, you know, is kind of like proto. uh, We we caught when we talked about that text, we uh, we talked about how, you know. This is like the first time someone's almost describing like neoliberalism, like the Mm -hmm. idea that the imperial core extracts from all these other countries all over the world. And then it creates a situation where we have like a really nice place to live here and don't understand where it's all coming from. And uh, also, you know, that that causes us to not really have a lot of left solidarity because we don't really we don't feel the effects of the fucking thing that we're doing. The effects all go elsewhere and they play out and they're that's, you know, an outcome of this is the United States supporting a fucking like a, like an apartheid regime because it gives us, you know, a strategic military advantage and that helps us collect resources and stuff like that. So like, you know, politicians are like people that go into American politics inherently aren't like us, you know, they kind of like believe in the system a little bit and, believe some of the kool-aid i think and that's i think that's why i, I don't know i think it's just fundamentally like if uh, opposed to what someone's views are going into the system
0: yeah um i mean it is frustrating to see though people who are like pretty you know down the line progressive on every other issue just for some reason have a blind spot on this or or, or consciously making a choice to uh, betray people uh, in in Gaza and the West Bank who are suffering. And the the United States has a huge role that we play in their suffering, um, which includes, I would say, one of the worst examples. And this is the one example where I will say, uh, I think this guy knows what he's doing. Uh, Mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson, who um, when he's running for mayor, uh, less than a year ago, he was asked about anti-Semitism. And just asked, what is your definition of anti-Semitism? No, it was not asked about Israel, but he immediately makes it about Israel. And he says, my definition of anti-Semitism is anybody who criticizes Israel and its right to exist. So I guess the Macklemore, you know, that Mask he put on at the concert with the huge nose, and the, <laughs> that would not be considered anti Semitism to Brandon Johnson. Uh, it's kind of bizarre, <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> Is that, right? Yeah, because it's only in terms of fuck, state that's so weird. Yeah, um, actually, another th- I mean, what I was just saying about like neoliberalism and stuff, I, I just realized that uh, that doesn't explain why there's an inconsistency between American politicians and other international affairs and specifically Israel. really like, why is it specifically that one and there's another element to this i i guess i think if i'm i don't know I, I, there's something missing here that i don't think i've quite got my head around but like what i'm thinking is it's a hodgepodge of a, just a bunch of forces and one of them is also frankly race like you see yeah. this shit with ukraine too you know where uh it we when we need to when we need to cast a fucking socially elected leader of a Latin American country as a, a dictator, or you know anyone else in any other brown country, it's like it's pretty easy to get the just American mind, which is just white is the default everything, to believe bad man when it's uh, when it's a brown person, but then in the like opposite situation we go, oh no, they're a bunch of fucking terrorist rats, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, why are why is Netanyahu not getting this, this this treatment that we give every fucking elected leader if they're brown? And I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not saying that's the cause. I think that's, that would be like a lib point kind of, but it's like fucking helping this happen. I think it's what makes it, that, that's why this has like such a hypnotizing spell on people and you, you see them like not able to fucking conceive of this it's it's in the background i guess
0: well yeah and i think the and this is um i think the reason for Saufle uh being a a pep starter is (laughs) uh (laughs) frankly the holocaust because you know he was in france for that and the german occupation and uh um that was a serious crime against humanity that had a huge impact on a lot of people and so it was difficult to reconcile that with uh, the displacement and subjugation of 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 Palestinians, and it continues to be um among a lot of people who are socially justice conscious on uh, on other issues. I mean, personally, for me, the it it didn't really click until uh, really cast lead uh, in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine that wow, this is a really terrible government uh, in Israel. Um, but I, cause I went to a, I actually went to a Zionist, uh, summer camp. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like openly that wasn't like the point of the camp, but it was through, um, uh, Jewish community center in St. Paul. And I actually, I went for three summers. The first summer I got bullied into leaving and then for some reason was sent back. And, uh, other than that, it was, you know, everybody was pretty, very liberal. Uh, everybody hated Bush was against the war. And so I just kind of associated Israel with being a liberal, progressive thing. I like Jews, and that's where the Jews are. I'm, I'm a fan, uh, but I remember distinctly hearing – because they would have uh, former IDF soldiers come over to the camp and like um, be counselors and stuff, um, many of them just Israeli citizens who would, had to serve in the IDF. Um, but I remember one of them saying – he, he joked about going Palestinian hunting. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> Damn. what? That's a little weird.
1: Huh? Yeah. And then
0: slowly it started to click with me that like, oh yeah, this is a fucked up society they have going on over there.
1: Well, I mean, that's, what's incredible about people is that like you can, you can be someone who's like listening to the moldy peaches and, and yelling fuck Bush and also be like, totally unaware of the absurdity of the, that person saying that statement. You know, people hold incoherent politics like fucking Sarah Silverman. Um, I mean, I know th- that just kind of reminded me of something that happened during the Iraq War a lot when I was talking to fucking military guys in Texas and people coming back from the Iraq War where they would just casually call brown people ragheads, was a thing uh, like this geez. hick guy I know would do all the time. And I just would be like, like why is this? why is no one punching this guy in the face? Right. But like it, uh, for a moment, I don't know, like people weren't able to see that. And it was like people who were like into like punk music and shit would be around or whatever. And you just go, Oh, these these people don't, this hasn't congealed into a, a consistent viewpoint or something yet. Um, Oh, what the fuck? What were you just talking about? I had a point about something.
0: Uh,
1: Holocaust. Oh, yeah. So, like, um, that that's, I think, another big factor in it because, like, you know, we live in, uh, I guess, like, a way I would think about postmodernism or capitalist realism is kind of like the 20th century, you know, was like a game of, like, chess or, like, Starcraft or something in motion and what, like, what the Francis Fukuyama end of history explanation that people kind of go with and like rules our our world now is like that it it paused. Like we kind of came to a stop, paused. And so everything I feel like if you lived in history like you know in the over a hundred years ago, shit would be like constantly in flux. You never really know what's gonna happen next. Everything's new. But like post World War II, everything just lives in relation to what happened in the fucking middle of the 20th century everything lives in that context and uh but i mean also also race comes back into it because like the holocaust is obviously fucking horrible don't get it twisted (laughs) you know uh we're not on that fucking tip um but like when stuff like that historically has happened to brown people i don't know like Sometimes it doesn't get treated in a place like Europe with the same fucking reverence, you know, so like I mean, like that's why like you like Germany right now like just as a state is just vehemently uh you know stand with Israel or whatever
0: um right that's that's it, why I think it's been so hard to raise this issue. Uh, even as late as you know uh, the year two thousand, Ralph Nader, who was like the standard bearer, for it created a Africa.
1: very extreme taboo, like a third rail thing. But yeah. it feels weird to touch. Everyone's like, Ugh, you know, and it even comes up.
0: Right. It's it's different from like South Africa in that sense, which is actually a great example of this uh, historical comparison debate because it's like, well, they're different. Yeah, they are, but fundamentally. It's an apartheid state like South Africa was. The the history is different and the context is different to have, you know, people who are all nearly obliterated uh come and try and um save their their you know religion and ethnicity in this this place, but they, they didn't necessarily have to do it. They did not have to do it by displacing uh another people who was who was there. Um
1: You don't in fact have to hand to them.
0: Yeah. But I was just gonna say like even in 2000 Ralph Nader would I remember seeing a quote where he was asked like do you want to conditionalize aid to Israel and he even that, back then he was like well i think that could boomerang so he didn't think that was a good idea at that point point. and even up through the 2000s he was like we have to take an even-handed even-handed approach but even saying even-handed the word even-handed was a slight to apac and uh supporters of Israel because we're not supposed to be even handed. We're the United States. And I think yeah. that is slowly but surely starting to change.
1: Uneven handed. We're supposed to be all the one hand uh, I don't know. I don't know what the opposite of even handed
0: is. But
1: uh, we're s- supposed to be a full fist for Israel.
0: It's uh even flow is the opposite of even yeah <laughs>
1: Can't find a Fetter, man. Even flow. Oh, man. All right. Is yeah, there anything think, else you wanted to touch on? Is there any more bozos?
0: I think, uh, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I'm sure there's many bozos of this week and weeks to come. Folks, um, we
1: can't reach them all. There's two yeah. goddamn money. This whole country is a bozo <laughs> car. That's right. Yeah, but I think that's a...
0: Good place to wrap up. Um, Yeah, what Jake said, subscribe to the Patreon. (laughs) Subscribe to the Patreon. There's there's good stuff
1: on there, folks. I'm trying to become more business-minded as we enter a new era of PDA. And, uh, you know, not business-minded, obviously, anti-capitalist podcast, but we need to be sustainable. And your $5 helps us. Research bozos.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, Any plugs or anything? Uh, I think that's. uh, I I don't have any right now. Other, @andersley here on Twitter, Dursley one, Instagram, yeah, Patreon. Uh,
1: I don't have any either. Wait, I think I will soon. I think I booked one or two weird things out here, but uh, that'll uh, that'll 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 come up probably in a month. Right now, leave me alone. I am getting to know a new city.
0: Okay. It's finished.